Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. The coronavirus has been inciting fear all over the world. And now that we know Americans in major cities across the states have unfortunately contracted this virus, we know that it's only a matter of time before more fear spreads. As Pastor J.D. will warn in today's message, plagues such as these are a clear indicator that we are growing closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. Now don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend We'll watch the weekly prophecy update on YouTube. Now here's Pastor J.D. with today's prophecy update as shared on February 16th, 2020. I sensed that the Lord would have me to talk about what I would argue are the three most significant prophetic developments to watch in the days and weeks ahead. Usually for the prophecy update when I'm preparing, I'll look at what is happening or even has happened. I don't usually venture off into, hey, this is what is going to happen in the days and weeks ahead, but today is kind of an exception in that regard. And again, I sense that the Lord would have me to do this. There are many things that we should be watching of prophetic significance, but I want to Uh, point out what I believe are the three most significant developments that we need to keep an eye on in the days and the weeks ahead. The first one is the spread of the coronavirus. A lot in the news about that. A lot we don't know about that. The second is the upcoming third election in Israel. And third is this move toward a one world religion. Those are the three that I want to talk about today. What I'm hoping to accomplish today is at the end of our time together that we'll all have a better understanding of what all this means. What does this mean to me today? And I would suggest that this has profound meaning to every single one of us. So let's get started. We'll start with this ominous Guardian report about how, if unchecked, the coronavirus could infect 60% of the global population. Have a nice afternoon. The coronavirus epidemic could spread to about two-thirds of the world's population if it cannot be controlled, according to Hong Kong's leading public health epidemiologist, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. His warning came 
after the head of the World Health Organization said, recent cases of coronavirus patients who had never visited China could be, quote, the tip of the iceberg. You understand that analogy and, and metaphor, right? Professor Gabriel Leong, the chair of Pe public health medicine at Hong Kong University, said the overriding question was to figure out the size and shape of the iceberg. Most experts thought that each person infected would go on to transmit the virus to about 2.5 other people. That gave an attack rate of 60 to 80 percent, Leong told The Guardian. 60 percent of the world's population is an awfully big number, quote unquote. It should be noted that this is happening in concert with a locust invasion in Africa. Maybe you heard about this. Experts are saying, and I quote, this is the most devastating plague in living memory. Why do I point this out? Because the Bible says, not only will we have these kinds of plagues and pestilences and viruses in the last days, but that as we get closer to the end, they will increase in frequency and intensity. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, verses 4 through 8, Jesus likens wars, rumors of wars, national uprisings, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes to birth pains. In response to a question the disciples asked Him, really a twofold question about what will be the signs of the end of the age and of your return, and that's how Jesus answers them. Revelation chapter 6, you might want to turn there in your Bibles. I want to read verses 7 and 8. John is writing by the Spirit and says, verse 7, when the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death. This is the fourth of what we often refer to as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The rider of this fourth horse, his name Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power get this, over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Interesting. It's believed that what John was describing is biological, by virtue of the words in the original language of the Greek New Testament. The Greek word for pale, this pale horse, is chloros, where we get our English word for chlorine, which in its context 
may describe this microscopic virus that has this potential to wipe out a huge percentage of the population of planet Earth. Also, noxious beasts or wild beasts is the Greek word therion, and it's believed that it might be a reference to this terrifying and frightening illness, plague, killing over one-fourth of the population. Let me be clear, and please hear me out on this, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that the coronavirus is this. I'm just pointing out that in the seven-year tribulation, which we're going to talk about here shortly, in the seven-year tribulation, this is what's going to happen. It will be something like this that has the capacity to take out so many people, spread with such great swiftness to such great numbers. I found this Israel Hayom report very interesting, having to do with extremists using the coronavirus outbreak to stoke hatred against Jews. Listen to this. The Anti-Defamation League warned that extremists hope the virus kills Jews. Wow. But they are also using its emergence to advance anti-Semitic theories that Jews are responsible for creating the virus, spreading it to increase their control over a decimated population, or they are profiting off it. Neo-Nazi and white supremacists are using fears of the deadly coronavirus to stoke hatred against Jews and spread conspiracy theories on social media platforms, according to a new report released by the Anti-Defamation League. reason I wanted to mention this and include this is because the Jews were blamed for the Black Death in Europe from 1348 to 1351, which led to a series of violent attacks and massacres of Jews, who they blamed for that deadly virus that took so many lives. Well, this brings us to the second one to watch, and this Jerusalem Post article about Israel's voter fatigue setting in ahead of the third round of elections. Here's an excerpt from the Post. This is, without doubt, the most boring election campaign in living memory. With three weeks to go before polling day, the stormy weather, coronavirus, and recent upsurge in violence in the West Bank and Gaza Strip are the main stories capturing the nation's attention. Election news hardly merits a mention. And here's why. Listen to this. No one is generating any excitement. Hang on to that. I want to come back to that. The shocking fact that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been accused of bribery, fraud, and breach of trust, and is awaiting trial, has been met with a collective yawn. You know how it is when you yawn? Somebody else yawns? 
Is it just me? No, I mean, listen, I'll try to yawn. Some of you are already yawning, but, (laughs) and then they say this lastly, not even U.S. President Donald Trump's deal of the century has made an impact. Interesting. Well, for this third one, I would like to draw your attention to this breaking Israel news article about the Pope pushing a one world religion on Israel's Independence Day. Here's what the article had to say. Historically, the Vatican was no friend of the Jews, but its new initiative aligns the Catholic Church with Islam in a one world religion that may be the biggest threat ever to the Jewish people. I would concur. A major event to advance the project will take place on the anniversary of the birth of the state of Israel, which according to one rabbi, is fitting since Judaism is the last bastion entirely incompatible with a new world order. Okay, if you'll hang in there with me, I want to try and tie all this together, and it does tie together. And the reason why I chose these three specifically is because there's this common denominator, if you will, with all three of them. They're all pointing, if I can say it this way, in the same direction. They're all heading in the same foretold, prophesied direction according to the Word of God and Bible prophecy. This is exactly what we were told. Everything down to, well, as we just talked about, the coronavirus, the uncertainty, the ambiguity in Israel, and now this push, like we need that at this, this time, this push for a one world religion. By the way, I think you know this. If you don't, I'll remind you of this. You go to Israel today, Jerusalem, and on Friday it's Islam. On Saturday, Shabbat, the Sabbath, it's Judaism. And on Sunday, it's Catholicism. Let that sink in. You have three, three, the three major world religions. And notice I'm delineating between Catholicism and Christianity, and for a reason. I don't want to get into that. Time doesn't permit. I always get emails whenever I talk about that. <laughs> get some really mean comments, by the way, from people whenever I make that distinction between Catholicism and Christianity. But you have Islam, Judaism, and Catholicism three major world religions. And I hope you understand that the Antichrist during the seven year tribulation will bring them all together. Dare I say this word, they will coexist as a one world religion. That's the direction it's going. So this brings us to the aforementioned question of, okay, What does all of this mean to us today? In order to answer that, 
I need to proceed with the presupposition that you at least have somewhat of an understanding about what's going to take place during the seven-year tribulation. If not, I'll just give you a quick, very quick rundown. So the seven-year tribulation will start when Daniel 9.27 is fulfilled. And that's where we're told that the Antichrist will enforce Hekbir in the Hebrew and Arabic. He will make greater, superior, spectacular a covenant, meaning that there was already a peace agreement on the table for him to confirm, make greater, superior, spectacular. He will confirm this covenant for seven years. Then at the halfway point, the three and a half year mark, he will set himself up in the temple. He will commit an abomination that causes desolation. And that's when the Jews will realize this is not our Messiah. And they will flee, many believe, present company included, to Petra in modern day Jordan, where for the last three and a half years of the seven year tribulation, God will protect them. And then at the end of the seven year tribulation, the whole house of Israel will be saved and they will call on Him and look on Him, the one whom they pierced. And that is, by the way, the purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. So that's just a a quick thumbnail sketch of the seven-year tribulation. So it's going to be a time initially marked by peace. Peace, peace, Daniel says, but there's no peace. We have a peace agreement. Yeah, but Daniel 8.25 says, He will, through His policy of peace, destroy many. In other words, it's a false peace because it comes vis-a-vis the false Christ, the Antichrist. And that is an overview of the seven-year tribulation. Uh, Where's the church? (laughs) Why are you looking at me like that? You know where the church is. We're not here, because we are taken out before the seven-year tribulation. Absolutely. Not a theory. It's a truth and sound doctrine, the pre-tribulation rapture. So when the church is removed, the Antichrist is revealed. We're going to see that in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, which by the way is after First Thessalonians. So the Antichrist cannot be revealed until the church is removed. And then God shifts the focus of his attention on his people, the Jewish people, and his final plan for the Jewish people. God is not through with the Jew. And by the way, we should be very glad that he's not through with the Jew, because he has a covenant with the Jew. And oh, by the way, he has a covenant with me and you too. And if God is through with the Jew, how secure are you? Okay. So that's what we're told is going to happen. Now here's the thing, this Antichrist, (laughs) he's going to be this charismatic leader. He has a solution to everything and he will be worshiped as this Savior. (laughs) I told you to put, no one is generating any excitement in your hip pocket. Can you take that back out for now? Because the Antichrist will generate great excitement. 
He's going to be so charismatic. As one said, he's the man with the plan. He's got the solution. He's finally been able to bring peace. And they're going to worship him as the Savior. And then he will rule this new world order. And then when God's wrath and judgment is poured out, these plagues and these pestilences will wipe out a huge part of the population. By the way, there's a large number of Jews that will also be killed during the seven-year tribulation, sadly. Now, the answer to what all of this means is this. And think this through with me. If we're beginning to see things that we're told will happen and be fulfilled in the seven-year tribulation start to happen now, and we're not in the tribulation, not yet, but we're already starting to see things that will happen and be fulfilled in the seven-year tribulation. They're already starting to happen now. Uh, hello? You know what that means? It means we must be very close. And we are. As such, and this is where I wanted to go with this, it's incumbent upon every single one of us to, as Barry McGuire shared last week, move everyone every day closer to Jesus. What if I told you that people are terrified, especially because of this coronavirus. I mean, you'll forgive me, but we have before us as Christians the grandest and greatest of opportunities to give to everyone an answer of that hope that lies within us. This last week my daughter and I, we take our dog on a walk to the beach and And just out of the blue, she says to me, Baba, I wonder how many people are going to come to Jesus because of the coronavirus. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's my my daughter, (laughs) 12 years old. I love it. She gets that from her mom probably, but (laughs) here I'm trying to take credit for it. But oh, just exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, in China, we have so many brothers and sisters in Christ in China. Did you know that? (laughs) That the the opportunity, uh, uh, Jim and Bonnie Melton, uh, uh, they spent over 30 years in China. I had them share a while back about what is happening in China. I mean, Sadly, I I don't know that the same thing could be said of the United States of America, but in China there are so many people by the multitudes coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. What about now? What a great opportunity. What a great opportunity that we have before us to share with people. We have the answer. So, Are you ready? If not, you need to be ready because our redemption draws nigh. This is what Jesus said about seeing these prophecies begin to come to pass in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. 
This verse speaks directly to the heart of the prophecy update that Pastor J.D. shares each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth. The goal for each prophecy update is twofold. First, to equip you with information you need to live in these exciting last days. Second, to encourage you in your faith in the Creator of the universe. Every word in the Holy Bible is 100% true. We're seeing that fact being proven each and every day. We pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by today's prophecy update. And we do hope you join us again for tomorrow's conclusion to this prophecy update from Pastor J.D. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, you can become a Facebook friend with us by logging on to www.inspiritandtruthradio.com. We've provided a link to our Facebook page. Another great option to stay current with Pastor J.D.'s prophecy updates is to subscribe to the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update YouTube channel. The Prophecy Update YouTube channel has all the current updates that Pastor J.D. has shared as well as an archive of past updates. Again, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and follow the link to the Prophecy Update YouTube channel. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Please join us tomorrow as Pastor J.D. concludes this Prophecy Update. That's next time on In Spirit and Truth.